Hey, what's up everybody? This is Deja again. Uh, welcome to this episode of Wiretapping. This week we have a special guest, uh, an interview that has that was requested on the Crime Time Forum, and one that has been eagerly anticipated by the Crime Time audience. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, well, um, I guess maybe first off just talk about how you got your name. Where did they uh, come from? I ended up with my, uh, ended up with my name years ago from a, a guy who was older than me. You know, I was younger, trying to figure out what it was I was writing, switching names, doing a bunch of things like that. And then, uh, you know, he was he was quite the crafty guy. He uh, doesn't paint any longer and and stopped painting years ago. But you know, at the time and uh, still, he's a he's quite the real deal artist. You know. And uh, we just got to talking about different names and, and letters and things like that and kind of did the whole go through the alphabet and circle the letters that you actually like, <laughs> find a way to squeeze them together. And uh, I kind of I came up with it and he just we talked about it real briefly and he just said, hey, boom, kind of picked it for me and reinforced my original idea and said, stick with it. That's you. That's what you're doing. So, you know, originally kind of comprised together and then he elected for it to be stuck with me so uh, yeah that's how I got the name and that was years and years and years ago so okay so um maybe we should back up when did when did you get started and how did you get into it mm, graffiti, I wrote my first piece just graffiti in general right I wrote my first graffiti in 95 I would say Okay, it was probably '95, and um, I had some friends who uh, had traveled around uh, with their family in the service, and I had a friend who lived in South America, and you know, a handful of my friends skated, not all of them, but a handful of them did, and uh, I was with them one night, and you know, they wanted to do some fat cap throw ups on some things, and I was kind of <laughs> bugged out at how you can make something so big so fast with uh, something so small. So the original idea of it kind of, I guess I was impressed by the medium and thought, holy shit, they just did that so quick and there was so much space. That it's it's kind of it's crazy. It seemed like such a foreign idea. And uh, so I was with them that night and then I uh, got to talking to my friend Steve one day who was uh, another friend of mine who he skated. He, he uh, had, you know, everybody who skated had a tag it seemed like, and so Steve and I got to talking, and uh, one night, you know, we scrounged up whatever bullshit Krylon and other, you know, Dutch boy fan cap <laughs> cans we had laying around, and went and did some uh, some real shitty graffiti on this underpass, so definitely uh, looking back on it, um, you know, it makes you wonder where these dumb shit kids get the idea to do such toy things, you, you kind of realize that you did some dumb things too, but uh, yeah, it was quite the uh, <laughs> quite the uh, memory when I look back on it. It's fun times. Still friends with Steve to this day, and we laugh about it because we both did just embarrassingly embarrassingly stupid names, <laughs> but it was it was a fun time. Do you have any old monikers that you wanna that you don't mind sharing with us? <laughs> Fuck. Any old names um, that you're embarrassed to tell us about? <laughs> yeah, embarrassed to tell. So you couldn't pay me to, to repeat those names. That's for oh, sure. Man. <laughs> no, it's just uh, some of them. Some of them are real, real corny. You know, just young kids trying to do dumb things. And uh, you know, it was a uh, it was a good time. But 
Steve, uh, to this day, I mean, Steve and I laugh about it and get a get a chuckle out of it. We've done business together as adults, and uh, he, still, it's kind of one of those jokes. We look back on how dumb it was, and how years later, I'm still still painting and still writing, and and uh, you know, traveled so much from and everything else. And he's like, Jesus kind of feel like I created a bit of a monster and that uh, played such a role in your life now and years ago it was just me getting off work at you know he, he says it was just him getting off work at Burger King and then going to paint on some dumb underpass with me and here I am years later Still you know it. traveling and collecting and you know whatever so it's it's funny how one thing can uh, definitely change who you are as a person so is I mean you kind of got into it from skating were you we ever any skate teams? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't skate. A lot of my friends did. Um, oh, okay. Just from, you know how it is when you're in in school. It's like the type of music you listen to, the kind of people you happen to just fit with. And I wasn't into skating as much as you know as as they were. They were definite. You know, one of the guys went on to open his own skate shop. A bunch of the guys have just toured around and taken trips and gone here and gone there and been semi-sponsored and sponsored and closed down the shops and quit and you know skating's a real I think skating is kind of like graffiti in a sense where everybody tends to you know everybody had a tag at one point or everybody had a board or something like that but that wasn't really ever it wasn't really ever me I just happened to grow up with some of those guys in my neighborhood and it was kind of more of a natural fit about where we were from and the common bond that we had aside from just graffiti uh you know coming later graffiti and, and skating and all that stuff but um you know, those guys, they still skate, they still do their thing, kind of, I, graffiti became my thing, so that's, that's me and that's them. Okay. Were you, were you into art at all before, before graffiti? Yeah, I, uh, in art classes and things, I, you know, would draw whatever, and, you know, I mean, <laughs> multitude of things. I remember having stuff in goofy little art shows in school for, you know, charcoal drawings and just... <laughs> whatever it was those things happened but um nothing nothing was remotely i guess nothing grabbed my attention at all like graffiti did everything when it came out of drawing was too small scale too tedious too just fucking boring none of it was remotely <laughs> interesting when you went out and actually when you did some graffiti even though it was just in some of the dumbest locations and it just looked like shit for some reason, I guess there's something to the adventure, but it felt like a lot of fun. And after that, the small scale of even hanging in a black book seemed just boring as hell. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious if you came at it from like an artistic standpoint or from a, a desire to vandalize and destroy stuff or if it was more like fame or... Yeah, no, not, not not for the destruction thing and not for the fame thing, since I'm really a, a real modest person. Uh, anybody who knows me will tell you the same thing, but no, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to draw these crazy little invention things, like, you know, crazy little rigged up things on how to, like, catch frogs in them. I mean, it, since I was a kid, I just kind of had, I would draw little things and put them together and had ideas and things, but I guess, um, you know, <laughs> my when I was a kid, my dad just... He, he, you know, you're a kid and you tell him you're bored and he'd go, well, fucking draw something or, you know, go outside. So, I mean, shit, it's, it's a cheap way to entertain your kids. And when you're a kid and you get told to make yourself busy, you just do it. So I guess pencil, paper and uh, whatever else that 
you came up with was good entertainment. That's kind of how it went for me. Oh, cool. So, I mean, that was when I was real young. But then it's funny that you were, um, were talking about, you know, years ago and my dad and all that stuff. It was seemed like people ask, you know, how did you get into doing trains and things? And uh, that's a long story. But, you know, I do remember going fishing with my dad when I was a kid. You know, we're here in the Puget Sound in the Northwest, right? So you got the... Puget Sound and the, the ocean right there, and the the tracks run along the coast. And even when I was a kid, I remember something about the trains kind of being standing out, plain as day. So always kind yeah, of had to pay for trains too. And it's funny how that works. So um, yeah, how did how did you get into painting trains? I guess. Um, or if you remember the first train you ever painted, tell us how. The <laughs> uh, first train I ever painted. Yeah, for sure. Again, that was an old name, and I can't even honestly just uh, goofy little names. I even I remember doing ask pieces too because as the the a and the s I guess I always liked, and then for some reason there was a a k on it, and the, you know I mean there's some people out there with three letter names, but ask is quite the corny one, and that got canned really fast. But um, <laughs> that was years ago, and uh, I guess I got into trains because where I live at, I, I live I'm from. Uh, an area in the Seattle uh, suburbs, per se. It's part of the Seattle metropolitan, right? But um, I live in an area where I would catch a lot of Canadian lines coming south into the States, and then I would catch a lot of eastbound traffic coming from basically Chicago, Minneapolis, and routing straight west to us. And so the interchange would hit where I'm at and we either go north of Vancouver or south to Seattle. And so living here... And um, having an eye for graffiti, which just really didn't exist much where I'm from, you just would, uh, you know, you'd, you'd want to see something new. You would, by nature, drive down by the train yard. And um, I would drive by the train yard, and I would see all types of uh, graffiti, right? I mean, you know, it wasn't a whole ton back then, but it was enough to be more than where I was from. I mean, it seemed like a shit ton back then. If I rolled by the yard and there was two things all day. I mean, that was more than I was going to look at where I lived at in a week. So that was yeah. fucking great. And, um, I remember going by the yard a couple times over in the same week and I caught three sugar panels in, in a week yeah. and they all said <laughs> Albuquerque, New Mexico next to them. And I remember going home and flipping open an Atlas being like, how fucking far is that from here? And looking at the map going, holy shit, that's like five states away and looking at that and doing the math in my head, I remember thinking kind of like sledge. I think it was sledge when your interviews made reference to the bottle in the ocean theory. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's incredibly true. I remember thinking, Holy shit, this guy's like five states for me. And, and then I started doing the math at how many states and I started thinking all these numbers, like how many trains are there in each state? How many companies own what? holy shit, three in a week, this time I was paying a shit ton of these things for three of them to come where I'm at. And uh, from did, there, it kind of, <laughs> oh yeah, he most definitely. definitely. I mean, you know, I, I've since, since some years ago, I had a chance to travel through Albuquerque and, and met him uh, through friends. And um, again, you know, the guy painted a lot of trains and uh, cool guy. And, uh, you know, I even had a chance to tell him uh, over time that, uh, you know, he's one of the guys that kind of got me juiced on actually painting trains because 
I'd see him three times in a week in like '95. You know, that was uh, that was impressive. What's your opinion on walls? Like, is it is there one type of graffiti that you like more than others, or are you kind of? Nah, what's your opinion on that? I, I I like I like all graffiti. It's it's all. I mean, it's all you know, fun, impressive, cool stuff. You know, it's always good to look at any type of graffiti. But for me, as long as I've been writing graffiti, I've been consumed. And I'm the type of person who I'm a busybody. You know, if there's daylight and there's something to do, I'm going to try to get as much done as I can. Nice. Now, I, I might not be the most efficient at getting everything done in one day, and I definitely have a lot of projects that are unfinished, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm not always the most organized, but... I just always feel like if I'm at a wall, and this isn't remotely applicable for probably even a sliver of the writers that are out there. A lot of writers probably think I'm retarded for feeling this way. But if there's daylight and I have other things I'm doing, whether it's you know domesticated stuff, taking care of my household, my car, my life, trying to you know be outdoors, which as you can imagine in a rainy city like Seattle when it's nice out, yeah. you could go out and paint or you could also try to do something else pretending to be real life. But... You know, walls and all that stuff to me, they're not a waste of time by any means. I respect people who do them. I think they're great, but it just doesn't fit into my schedule and my life to spend two, three days, including, you know, a Sunday or something like that, hanging out at one wall that's not even going to move. I just, my my choice to paint freights was simply based on the fact that where I lived at and the population and the size of my city, if I were to paint every other night, like people paint freights, I would be on the shit list in a week and a half flat, right? So, you know, there's no <laughs> point in me doing that. And so I guess I chose freights as an aspect of working smarter instead of harder. And that's just the history. It's just how I've always been. And so my, my routine and my medium that I prefer is just kind of by nature revolved around and evolved into painting freights. And the next thing you know, it's kind of like a subculture specialization that people really took to. It's a niche that certain writers do and certain writers don't and you know in Sledge's interview that you had I remember him saying something about you know, people doing it all and people being well-rounded and um, I respect that 100% I really do it's just in, in my professional life and as an adult as well I see people having success when they specialize in a niche um, if they really have like a particular type of thing that they do that they're 100% good at. I mean, if you want to be a probate attorney, then be, be be the best probate attorney instead of just a general attorney. You know, if you want to be, you know, a kid's doctor, a pediatrician, feel free and be the best at that. You know, if you want to be a general practice guy, that's great. But I guess I feel like when it comes down to freights, it just kind of happens to fit. There's more of a connection and a draw to it. And everything I've done is kind of revolved around my natural fit from where I've been at, the options available, how much I actually want to write graffiti on the regular as far as calendar days out of the month. And uh, freights just by chance make logical, mathematical sense to me. And, um, hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's nice. It's it's nice to over, – over when I did the math on it and I saw Suge sitting in my city three weeks, three times in a week, you know, the math on that was, again, the bottle in the ocean theory. If I paint something and it ends up in New Jersey three weeks from now – it's better than going to that same underpass in the suburbs, you know? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, so when, when was, when did you paint your first freight? Do you remember when, 
Yeah, you, I you first went you... in the yard in '95. First time I went into a yard was '95, and had I mean, again, it was it was an actual yard. It wasn't just a layup. So, um, were you ever like a city kid, or was no, it... no, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we would sometimes you know paint the interstates and stuff like that that would run into Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was. That was, you know, other than that, I would paint the walls and the cuts and the, the underpasses and the little piece spots and things like that out in the burbs where I was, you know, where I was from. But, um, no, it never, no, it never had, I, I definitely know my history. I, I paid attention and observed, but again, when I made reference to working and being busy in life and all that jazz, I've been, I've been busting my ass working jobs since I was 15 and a half. I've always had to budget time for graffiti. Graffiti's never been like, you know, something I thought I would ever make some career out of, or I was just going to be some writer and I was going to share, you know, a studio with four other dudes and move to a big city and then get some big name and somehow make t-shirts and blow up. I mean, I'm not clowning. <laughs> I'm not clowning anybody when I say that because there's dudes who have done that and that's fucking fabulous. A thousand percent respect to all those guys who have that, but had a real strict father who eventually became cool with graffiti, but he rode my ass and had a high expectation since I was a kid. And, um, graffiti was something that I did and it was for me. And, um, I never gave a shit if I didn't have some sort of like Seattle clout where dudes in the city knew who I was. Everything that I was painting would potentially roll through Seattle and bumping into people in train yards in Seattle in the dark and then you tell them who you you are and they go, Oh shit, I've been catching you. I mean, it's like that to me in itself was natural evolution and I was fine. That shit happens regardless. And I mean, there's dudes I paint with who, who have done city stuff in Seattle and are still around and they're doing freights too. And, or they've been doing freights for years and, um, you know, they know who I am and I stay out of the city scene. So I feel like, you know, in itself freights have evolved and they've taken care of a lot of the work. For us, I mean, we're putting it in there as much volumes getting painted, but it's just on a different medium and it's not going to stick around and be in your face and get you on the shit list. And I'm low key. Like I said, I, I want to stay low key. I want to be low key. And for me, freights just fit that, you know, there I'm a real simple, I'm a simple ass person. And so to me, freights fit that. Now, mind you, all the politics and the bullshit and the yard etiquette and who, what stay out of here. This is my yard. <laughs> sure, I've learned that shit. I, I I enforce it, and I feel the same way. But um, that's kind of an evolved thing, you know. I mean, that's the same way people have beef in the city. You know, freights have evolved in their own subculture where you have beef and you don't get your ass whipped, and that shit happens over train yards that you don't even live near. I mean, those things just happen. People have rights, and people have seniority, and people have state claims, and you know, as much as people might say. Hey, you just paint freights and that's it. You don't have any say in anything. You know, that's fine. I don't need a say in like the actual city scene in Seattle. I don't give a shit because, uh, you know, painting freights, it's on a larger national scale. I mean, shit, I don't give a shit if I don't have a couch to stay on in South Seattle when I have one to stay on in Atlanta, something to stay on in Virginia, a place to stay in, in Jersey, yeah, that's cool. Texas. I mean, you know what? You get the picture. I mean, yeah. I'm talking to you. You're, you're in Salt Lake City, Utah. I mean, shit. That's I'm uh, actually uh, in Portland, but that's cool. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, but I mean, I know a lot of the guys that you have are, are based out of there. But I mean, yeah. my point is, looking at national scale, what do I give a shit about just my hometown for? I mean, nothing against it. I mean, everybody who, um, you know, I've plenty of people come through here, and plenty of people have had their heyday here. But again, you know, what's what's just one city? No, that's cool. That's beautiful. Um, okay, so kind of. I guess switching gears a little bit. Who, um, who were your early influences when you were first starting out? Like, who did you see on trains, or was it? I mean, you mentioned Suge. Or is it? Was there anyone um, else that you were? Yeah, there was a lot of people. I mean, shit. Over the years, I remember seeing. I remember seeing Suge. Um, I remember seeing some of the BFK stuff. I remember seeing um, when Power moved up here, and he was um, when he had when he was doing vowel pieces. Due to the proximity and where it was to me, I, <laughs> it seemed like I was seeing one every other day. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was just the lines that he was painting and where he was painting them at, but I would catch I would catch a vowel freight every other day. It seemed like, and so you know, there's always been a lot of people who got me juice to paint freights, but nobody who I really wanted to emulate and copy. It just, I guess all those writers, they just played a role as far as fuel to the fire and providing a role model as look at these things. If you paint enough of these things, they're going to get out there and do the work for you. And it's just such a fucking fun medium. I mean, in my opinion, for people to be like, Oh, you're just a, you know, that person's a freight nerd. He's a freight head and he doesn't know shit about this. Well, I mean, the, the astounding amount of research that goes into following what lines go where and who owns what and what's a waste of paint and, you know, not just painting the same revolving line that comes back all the time. There's a lot of shit to it. And um, you don't have to respect it the same way that I'm not going to feel as pumped for you that you figured out the city's buff routine in a certain part of town. I mean, <laughs> if you got it dialed in, that's good for you. I respect that. That's your game. But um, this is mine and this is ours. And so... Um, it's just what we do. And, uh, the freight thing, you know, there's just a lot of people over the years. I mean, you know, from state to state, no matter who it was that you'd see, I mean, whether it was MSK dudes painting the golden West that I would see come through here, the Canadian guys, uh, you know, like Hasso, um, you know, in reference to the Shug, uh, thing that we'd said, it was funny cause I remember seeing, some things that were painting, painted in Vancouver, knowing that I'd seen Suge representing Albuquerque and then Castle representing Vancouver. And then one day I see a, a car come, coming south from BC. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was done up <laughs> with both those guys in the car together. And I remember thinking, okay, this is crazy. Now, how the <laughs> fuck do these guys know each other? But, I mean, of course, that was a whole national scale that was bound to ensue. That's great. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So, um, okay. So one, I guess one thing we never talked about is what crews are you with right now? Are there any? I write for one crew and one crew only. I'm sorry. Say that again. Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah, go ahead. That's. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no. I just I write for one crew and one crew only. Uh, etc. And I've been writing for those guys for you know, a handful of years now, and um, I'm not, you know, I, I've had friends in different crews, and they want to, you know, hey, we'd really love to have you down, and or, or hey, you know what, 
we're kind of like a kind of like a whatever crew. We don't just do one thing, but you know, it'd be real good to have you in. You're great people, uh, or something about you know freights, you know, and they do they don't do a ton of freights, but they want to do more. I mean, I'm friends with all types of different writers, not just freight heads, but I write for one crew, and my interest is in focusing on one and and representing one and you know, we've built one and I'm happy with one. I don't, I can be friends with a million different people that write for different crews and in different, you know, associations and cities and wherever they're from. That's great. But, you know, I guess, um, my interest is in maintaining and, and being a part of and really focusing on one and making one stand out as a collective. And that's just one crew ETC. That's cool. Who else is in that crew? I mean, who else? Are these, um, these are Seattle kids, Northwest kids. Yeah, there's Seattle, Portland kids, and then um, you know we got some guys in Arizona, and some of our guys are down in LA uh, at times and and back and forth. But for the most part, it's a Northwest based crew. You know, the Pacific Northwest being uh, Oregon. Washington and Vancouver, BC on the graffiti end of things, you know, it's pretty much considered Northwest and, uh, we've got a chapter and, and a handful of guys in each city. And so we try to keep it tight and try to find a way to meet in the middle and, you know, paint out here in Seattle. And, you know, sometimes we'll take trips North, South, whatever it takes to get it done. But, uh, for the most part, we're Northwest based and, um, yeah, there's uh, a handful of us, uh, you got Resser and, and Quit and, and um, you know, other guys in, in Canada and then uh, here in Seattle. It's we got uh, myself, Sweet, Axel, um, Portland. We got Geimer, Eldum, um, you know, in Washington. We also have Mech and Decor, two of the, two of the, you know, really well-rounded guys out in the state here too. So, I mean, we've got a got a handful of guys i think we're pretty well-rounded and i like what we do and i think we sit together pretty well and manage to keep each other motivated i think it's a bunch of guys who take it real seriously as far as treating it like a job you know it's all business as far as getting things done um you know you're 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 grown you're busy you're doing things and trying to make time for even sitting down to talk to me and, and vice versa today is you got to budget it out right yeah no i'm an old man so <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm getting up there too, but there's, um, I guess I just look at it like there's a handful of us here and I think I like what we do and I like the connection we all have and we're not interested in trying to recruit a thousand different people and burn out and, you know, be on some bullshit, uh, just for the sake of trying to get your name bigger and bigger and bigger and, and boil over. I mean, there's enough politics and communication and, you know, yards to keep eyes on and, and things like that. So with how many we have right now and uh, the connection we all have, I think it's well-rounded enough for us to, you know, have a foothold in what it is we're doing. So when did the crew come about? How long has ETC been uh, around? Uh, years, years ago, the Canadian kids, years ago, the Canadian kids started it. And um, I was friends with a girl that was friends with Rester's roommate. And by chance, uh, she got to talking to him on the phone one day and referenced my name. And the guy goes, oh, you're friends with that guy? <laughs> and um, she's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're friends. It was a small world, you know. She goes, yeah, we're friends. And um, 
So next thing you know, I got connected with them and started talking. And I always wanted to have someone who could show me around Vancouver because, you know, they got a lot of yards there that are well-known from, you know, urban legends and and myths that, uh, you know, people have been able to do good work and have, you know, real good yards and even daytimes and things like that. And so I always wanted to have that type of connection and, and naturally a friendship ensued after that. And, um, we're all family now. So, um, it's just kind of a natural evolution of how it all clicked. And then, uh, the Portland chapter came about me taking a road trip down to, um, Oregon in Portland to help a friend move. He was moving down to New Orleans. So I drove with him down there and my intent was to ride with him and then get hitched with the ride back to Seattle. And when I was down there, I got hooked up with some other guys that, uh, you know, they were cool, but not, not my, um, cup of tea per se, as far as guys I keep in touch with nowadays. But, um, I managed to bump into Geimer underneath this bridge at this peace hall spot. There was freights down the line tucked in the woods back, uh, there years ago. And, uh, I bumped into Geimer when he was just a, a younger kid and, and bumped into him and, you know, we made some jokes and uh, he was cool uh, people. I liked him. And then it was a matter of, you know, audio, see you later. And um, years later, I saw some people talking about him on the internet and uh, someone, you know, posted some comments and said some things about him in particular. And I, I just uh, sent him a little comment talking about a joke that we'd had in common and it turned out it was him. And he said, oh, shit, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to reach you over these years, and you're real low-key, and, you know, I couldn't find you. So uh, next time you come through Portland, get a hold of me. And um, so when I went down again, I I got a hold of him and had uh, some pretty shitty run-ins and some close calls with uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Got shook down real good and almost went to jail. Um, Ooh, tell us the story. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Tell us the story. Do you have a good chase story? Uh, or sounds like more um, than a chase? Yeah. I mean, we didn't get chased. It was a matter of wrong place, wrong time, same activity, but kind of half rolled on someone else and then almost got thrown into the bus ourselves. Okay. It's a long, fucked up story. It would take me a while to tell, and I don't want to incriminate him any more so than he's yeah, already yeah. had to deal with in anything in the past. But let's just say we had to ditch the car come up with a story as to why it was even there to begin with when they then tracked the plates and called us back and uh you know had a story thank god we all stuck to it i mean hands down we the three of us involved you know went over the same story uh, you know on the five minute ride back to the spot and said hey you know we get split don't deviate we all got detained for about an hour and a half shook down cross-examined and then um let go but you know, moral of the story with this is you better have a story and you better stick to it and you better make sure nobody is the, uh, the weak link and cracks under pressure because <laughs> all it takes is one person to, to turn into a bitch and start talking and next thing you know, you guys are all catching charges, so. Nice. Okay. Um, do you have any chase stories that you don't mind telling us about? Or that's not going um, to get anyone in trouble, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, I just he's had a, he's we had don't want to incriminate dealings over the years. True, true. Um, yeah, I've got a I've got a handful of them. I'm trying to think of a good one right now. I mean, I've fallen through the floor of a warehouse one time out of 
uh, a, a bit of a chase and had the floor cave in only to rack my nuts on the cross beam that was the reinforcing structure of the warehouse. Yeah, that really fucking sucked. Thank God I didn't fall through, you know, to the floor below. But yeah, I racked my my balls on the cross beam, which really sucked. Um, again, <laughs> been, been detained. Um, had to do a lot of uh, running. Um, you know, hiding, ripping through blackberry bushes. I mean, you know, you name it, whatever it takes to get out of an area I've definitely had to do before. Uh, hiding under trains. If there's, I've had to hide under trains and, you know, skip through yards and rip through, uh, you know, bushes and trails and all types of shit with, um, being in different cities and having even, um, you know, a helicopter above you, just, you know, shit like that. I mean, it's, there's a ton of them, just a ton of close calls. It could be by chance, but are real, you know, they're just too spooky to have you feel comfortable. I mean, even painting freights, you can just have weird run-ins and crazy shit happen and people see you. So, uh, <laughs> if I think of one when we're talking some more, I'll go ahead and bring it up. But there's just a handful that I, you know, I guess I've been doing this for years and I just kind of forget some of them. Just dumb luck. You know, <laughs> dumb, dumb luck. I remember some of them and some of them I forget. Okay. Well, if one comes up, tell us. Um, so what about uh, what about the whole hobo thing? Um, respect hobos. Stay the fuck away from them. They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, my friends make jokes about me being um, not paranoid, but I'm the guy who's more about yard safety. I look at it like even if I don't get to finish a piece and everybody else got to get theirs done for the day, and I go home and I don't get anything done, but the rest of my guys all got pieces off and we all went home in one piece. That's fine. But in the process of me doing that, I've walked lines before just to make sure, you know, the empty boxes are clean. There's no, you know, crazy raid stuff. Cause you painted the same spot for years. I've walked lines before, you know, with a flashlight going in and out of each box, each car, checking the couplers on the end of hoppers, whatever it is, just to make sure it's cool. And I've, I've, I've awoke and, and come across some crazy drunk, rabid looking fucking hobos that, you know, <laughs> probably got hep C to the fullest and those guys would, you know, fucking eat you, uh, eat you up if they could. But no, I mean, I, I've woke up drunk, crazy hobo, pulling out of boxcar screaming and saying crazy shit. So, I mean, you know, I, one of the crazy hobo stories that I came across was, uh, we went to paint this real, real cutty daytime, uh, spot that backed up to a river in some woods that's now defunct and, and uh, distinct, but uh, pardon me, extinct. But um, <laughs> we, uh, so I hopped up on this uh, lumber rack, trying to make sure the other side of the line was clear where I could see the engine because it was a crew change spot. And I hop up on the the lumber rack, only to hop over to the other side to see this crazy hobo. Um, I guess this kind of bummy looking. Hell's Angel wannabe crazy fuck getting on with this half toothless crackhead and they're on the other side of the lumber rack against the corner of it like laying down a blanket fucking and uh, I poked my head over you know not thinking I was going to see anything I mean you do it at a at a pure you know triple checking just to make sure things are cool <laughs> and I hopped over and fucked this whole game up and I I mean you know, it's different if you came across some respectable people, you know, maybe having sex in a park trying to be taboo. But when you come across a hobo and his, 
in his you know squatter camp down the way and you're fucking up his uh his day of crackhead pussy it's probably not the best thing to do and so he he looked at me and i thought oh fuck kind of kind of crazy shit's gonna happen now so i jumped back over the line i walked down a ways where at least i was near my friends because you know again i don't know how fucking crazy this bastard is and the guy comes up to me and starts asking what we're doing in a really aggressive fashion and i say hey we just came to paint, man. Not trying to fuck anything up. Not trying to disrespect you or your space. You know, at least you, uh, at least we get a chance to talk to you real quick in the daylight here. You know, you see three of us, and we're just trying to do something real fast and be out of here. I interrupted what you were doing. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to rock, rock your boat. Go get your nut, and we're just gonna go ahead and, and catch these freights here. And he was like, "Oh, what are you guys doing? You guys are painting that graffiti." Yeah, that's what we're here to do. We're just trying to get these and go home, you know. And he goes. Uh, Oh, that's fucking cool. Uh, do me a favor, and, and when you're done, man, paint H next to it. Hell's Angels, brother. Hell's Angels. And uh, <laughs> so we just laughed, and we're like, yeah, no problem. Hell's Angels for sure, you know. Give them the pound, and, you know, <laughs> don't spread no germs, but give them some love. for like, all right, yeah, Hell's Angels for sure. That's cool. So did you do it? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it did. I think Sweet did. I uh, I just remember thinking, that's fucking crazy. As soon as we're done, I'm going to fuck out of here. I don't want to have one of his friends from camp down the way. uh come over and, and bug out because he went and told them what we were doing and you know I mean fuck some of those guys you know they think that we're fucking up their groove and we think they're fucking up ours and yeah I mean they were there first you know before there was uh, before there was a bunch of dudes trying to run a yard and hang out and do whole cars or end to ends or productions or just tags pieces whatever those guys were using as transportation so I mean you know I uh, I respect them that's for sure I just think that some of them are crazier than others and I prefer to <laughs> prefer to keep the distance I like that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, what do you think about the scene right now? I mean, how's the scene changed since you started, and has it been for the better or worse? Uh, that's crazy because uh, that's a double-edged sword. I think it's – there's – I mean, shit. You know, I'm kind of middle of the road on that whole thing because, you know, the same can be said for – how do I feel about the paint evolution that's happened since then? And it, it's, I'm kind of middle of the road, you know? I think that when you look back on a better graffiti's being painted than what was going on before, based on principle, you know, I mean, I saw plenty of old pieces running without, you know, highlights and white inlines or whatever crazy thing that's like the newest uh, gig. You know, it was more two-dimensional flat stuff then. But now you're seeing people doing, you know, crazy teched out four different Montana blended 3D shades and it's crazy. I mean, it, nowadays the stuff that's going on is is bananas, and I don't know how people can top it. But uh, you know, I'm kind of I kind of feel like I am more like middle school when it comes to this. There was guys who were doing freights. There's guys who are going to be doing freights, and I kind of feel like I just am like a you know a junior high uh, as far as you know where it fits into the grand scheme of things. I think we're kind of I'm not going to say second generation, but it's like a, maybe a second wave of guys who are putting a dent and making freights a, a prominent thing. But um, I, li- I I respect all the old stuff. I mean, to this day, if it was a Take 5 or some like just, you know, like I said, the BFKs or, you know, Sway and Sledge or, you know, whether it was old Caper stuff, um, you know, Faves. Yeah, nice. Uh, Caper. Know, Arch. uh Baser, I mean, you name any of the guys that I used to see on Freights years ago, um, and 
I will that stuff. I'm a fan of it. But the same way that I'm a fan of their stuff, I'm sure there's younger kids who are fans of ours. And I think that I like I like where it's gone, but I don't at the same time because, you know, people say things like, oh, you know, you guys are always doing big backgrounds and stuff like that. Well, you know, mind you, I'm from I'm not from New York. I don't have any experience in any of that old subway shit. I've never even been there. But, <laughs> you know, in, in talking to the guys and, and knowing people who traveled through there and spent time, it's like the math on it was people were doing backgrounds back then to cover up all the shit in the background and make this stuff stand out more. Hmm. And I think that's kind of where freights are coming to now. I think there's so much, not necessarily just shit on them, but, I mean, nowadays when you go to the yard – you might have to plan on it being a complete buff job. You know, you're going to have to go over something. You're going to have to basically blank, you know, blank it out and try to try to clean it up like a canvas. If you're really trying to make it a real smooth end to end, or, you know, the backgrounds are, I guess, are for the sake of looking more uniform, looking more professional, looking more clean and really trying to clean up all the extra stuff that's on freights. I, uh, I like some of this stuff, that's out, and I, I dislike some of it. I'm really on the fence about how to sum up what it is that's going on in the scene as a whole because there's plenty of guys whose stuff looks just like it did years ago, which is classically, and I, I welcome that, and I love that stuff. But there's other kids out there now who are just putting shit on there, and they're trying to get stamps, and they're trying to like get their numbers up. You know, It's not like it was before. It didn't just stand out based on volume because of the fact that nobody else was doing it. Yeah. Now everyone and their mom's doing it, you know, and you'll, you'll get people who will track you down from friends of friends. And I've had guys move to Seattle and, you know, their friends from the Midwest call me and say, Hey, this guy's living here now. He wants to do this. And he thinks that, you know, you're the guy to show him around. He wants me to vouch for him. <clears throat> that's, you know, that's great. But I, out where I'm at, there's not enough room for, <laughs> everyone and their mother to make a, a living off of freight. So I kind of look at it like um, we're here and uh, we're from here and uh, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's kind of evolved into that. But I think that nowadays a lot of guys want to make it part of their like diet. You know, they want to be well-rounded guy who does walls, tags, legal walls. And then they feel like they have to include freights because it's like a part of their missing diet. It's not, I mean, this isn't fucking vitamin B12, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's not something that you need to include just because, like, you feel like that's what bonifies you or makes you legitimate, you know? I think freights are what we do, and uh, it's good, but it's not for everybody. And um, I uh, I don't know. I, um, I guess my stance on things are it's going to go where it's going to go, and... and you know, there's tracks that get ripped up and disappear, and they're not replaced. And I guess in reference to um, that, I guess if I if I get on that soapbox for a split second, I'll just say that, you know, the kids out there who might hear this stuff and are part of the younger generation, they need to realize that freight yards are not like strip malls. You might see a Home Depot, might see a, a fucking a Ross, you might see whatever it is pop up in your neck of the woods. That might make sense. But... Remember, freight trains, they ship things that are needed for different industries. They don't just knock down a fucking neighborhood and say, hey, we're going to put a freight yard here. It, these, those things were here before your cities were. The nation was founded on it. Those things are, there's only so many of them. And I think kids really need to, to learn to respect those and, and listen to the older writers when it comes to etiquette and, and 
um, preserving them because when they're gone, they're gone. And I'm not saying that train yards are going to go anywhere. I mean, we're going to, it's a popular media makes millions of dollars a year. It's an established industry, but they just don't put new yards. They just don't put new layups. They just don't do them. I mean, I I'm watching them get ripped up right now. I'm losing them here, but you know, if, if young kids want to say shit like, well, you know, you shouldn't fucking get in our business, you know, I'm sure people fuck with you and you did your thing and we're doing ours and mind your business and handle your family and don't, don't pay attention to us, ignore us. Those kids are retarded because if you think that a grown man, <laughs> I mean, if you think that a grown man wants to, you know, track you down and slap the shit out of you and take your paint and that's like his idea of a fun day, you're wrong. You know, you'd much rather be you know, worrying about his mortgage, worrying about his, his bills, wife, kids, you know, career, economy. I mean, there's a multitude of things on top of graffiti that we all sweat on a daily basis. And I think young kids, you know, I think they, again, if they don't have a fucking parent to put them in their place or something, kids nowadays kind of need to have the shit slapped at them just to get the point across that if you can't keep an eye on what you're doing and have some respect for others as well as yourself, you're just... You shouldn't be painting freights. I mean, if you live in your mom's basement and you don't have some shit of your own to take care of, to take pride in, to clean up, whether it's your car or a fucking bike even, if you don't have that and you can't take care of that shit, you shouldn't paint freights because they're not yours. And if you can't respect them, then don't fuck with them. Well said. Okay. Um, so what is some of the train etiquette? I mean, if what what would you want to tell the young kids who maybe came up in a small town, they don't know anybody, except people on the internet, and I don't know. Mm, I guess I would say, you know, stay off the numbers, and don't paint multiple cars in a row, and don't heat things out. Don't go in there and think that you have to paint every other night. Learn to break up a routine and go between different places, because if you think about it logically, I mean, again, it's a matter of long term. I don't think freights are a flash in the pan thing. And I don't think that, um, they ever made anybody famous overnight. Um, I think it's a matter of steady and steady and freights yeah. are just that. So don't, don't burn those out and just respect them, treat them. I mean, I guess if I could say anything, it would be stop for a split second and think about what it is that you're doing and use common sense. I mean, just use some fucking common sense. If your mom slapped you for something and said, what the fuck were you thinking? don't do that same shit in a train yard. You know, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's other people besides you who, who use that medium who, who, you know, again, you ask me about hobos, that's a subculture that has to coexist when we're out and you need to have respect for that same thing on a common sense level. You know, there's no handbook that anybody's going to give you that's going to teach you how to paint freights. You know, you might have a freight train graffiti book that you got at Barnes and Noble and you might think that you're, you're pumped. You might have ordered it online. Your grandma might have got you a gift for Christmas and you ordered the How to Be a Bomber 101 handbook. That shit's great, but <laughs> it's just really treat that shit with common sense. Stay off the numbers. If you show up and you see someone who has a piece in there and it's a writer that you respect, you know, don't jump up next to him. Don't, don't fucking side bust him. Don't don't think, oh, I'm going to go ahead and get on the same freight. I mean, I've had that happen. And it's like, it's you know, again, it's not just a matter of whatever medium is there, so you'll just take it. I mean, have some decency and, again, common sense. That's, I guess I, I, you know, I guess I wish if I felt a little more, 
you know, verbally on top of my game today. I could ramble on, but it's just, it boils down to common sense. And if you don't have it, go get it. And until you get it, don't paint freights because the spots <laughs> have history. When the workers, the workers will figure it out. It's, it doesn't take forever for workers to figure out. They see the same graffiti coming out of the same spot. You drip rocks on the ground. You know, if you're dripping on the rocks on the ground, if you drip on that, you come back to get your flicks in the day. And you're sitting there going, oh, I missed the highlight or, oh, shit, this is, I need to clean this up. Don't clean it up in the day. Don't clean that shit up in the day. Don't think, oh, how my friend keeps fixing me. Let's go ahead and spend two minutes cleaning it up. Fuck you. Go home. Look at your picture on the internet. Have your little memento. And then learn to paint cleaner. Take it as a notch on the belt. Take it as a knock on the chin. Whatever it is. Don't try to clean it up in the day. Don't gamble on heating on a spot. You know, I heard... I read an interview with an older writer. I can't remember who it was, but it's insightful and respectful. And he said, you know, why, if a yard is a great night yard, then why gamble on it being a good day yard? And, you know, the principle of it is if it's good at night, why rock the boat and fuck with it and try to go there in the day? So if you're painting there at night and you're already, you know, you went home and you slept in your bed and everything was legit, you didn't sleep in a jail cell, you didn't get right in a cop car, you know, you didn't get a fine from Union Pacific for being, for being, you know, knucklehead and getting caught, go home, do that. Come back, get flicks in the day. Don't fuck with a piece. Pick the rocks up, you know, make sure you didn't drip, preserve that shit, clean it up, clean up after yourself, you know, just do what you can to respect it because it's an environment. Being in a train yard, being in the freight scene, if you're trying to actually achieve that goal, you got to be able to respect your resources. You know, you, you can only rack from the same place a thousand times. You know, you got to switch up your routine. So, just use common sense. Apply it to that. Don't treat it like it's your backyard because it's it's really not. You know, it's not yours. It's not your shit. I don't have I don't have a right to be there just as much as the next guy. But I think the people who deserve to be there are the people who are going to respect it and put quality and effort into it. And I think you deserve that um, that to come back to you in the form of you have more shit to paint. You know, um, you know, Burlington Northern and Union Pacific, whoever they don't they don't owe me checks for painting that shit. I owe them for still having you know, spots to be able to paint. So nice. uh, I guess my, my word is common sense, man. That's good. Ah, that's perfect. Okay. Um, I guess switching gears a little bit, uh, there are a couple things that, um, I just wanted to ask you about. What do you think about the whole, I guess, commercialization of graffiti? I mean, magazines, websites, clothing, you name it. There are a lot of people making a living off of it. What do you think um, about that? Well, again, you know, if you were one of those guys who put in all your, your time and energy and move cities and, and travels the world fucking insanely to go to, you know, Barcelona to, to Europe, to, to, you know, um, fucking Italy, Rome, um, you know, wherever it is that people are traveling to Australia. I mean, there's guys out there like those seven letter dudes who are traveling all over the world doing their thing and making money from it. I think it's great, you know. Um, that's good for them. I just think that the bad thing is there's the downside to it where it publicizes it too much and it gets the wrong people involved. And then when the wrong people get involved, those guys can have a huge detriment. If you got three kids who only want to write graffiti for six months, but there's like 10 times the normal amount of those kids because the media allowed them to get their hands on Mark Echoes getting up and the Freight Train Graffiti book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that it's good, but it's bad. I mean, it's cool because writers who are been around for a minute can make a living off of it. 
um, you know, I know guys who've done designs for skateboards and video graphics for for video games and different things like that. Soundtrack music, just all being tied into it somehow. That's good for them. You know, they're making money. It's come back to them somewhat. I mean, the amount of money and time and energy. If you put a dollar on your time and life, you know, we put a lot of energy into graffiti. Um, and if you got some money back from it, and you actually were able to get, you know, a stipend check, a, a dividend check, however you want to word it in return, <laughs> shit, that's that's a handout. You know, that's that's good. You know, so get yours. But um, you know, there's there's certain things like the the freight train graffiti book that I just want kids. I guess, in my opinion, you know, when I, we, were, we were younger, you know, how many writers have you heard say they looked at subway art and thought of that as like a Bible? You know, there's a lot of dudes out there who are like, oh, well, you know, I, I learned how to, I learned how to write graffiti and learned how to do uh, these type of letters from reading subway art. Well, that's that's good for them, you know, that's what they did. But I just don't want a lot of kids out there now thinking that, you know, they're going to become overnight freight stars and just because they read a book and they feel like they, they are doing it accordingly, that's going to be bonafide, you know, that's going to validate them. It's not a test, you know, you don't have like some state license you go once you buy that book. It's not a course, you know, it's just, it's just different. And, um, I guess if you can, if you can make money off of it, that's cool, but I don't want the, the books misrepresenting to kids out there. Like that's just how it is. As long as you follow that book, you know, you got permission to go do that. Um, I think it can be confusing, but the media is what it is and it's, you know, it's the evolution of it. And so it's good. It's bad. People made money from it. I can't argue with a smart businessman. If you are smart and you're making money from it somehow, more power to you. Just, uh, don't push it too far. Don't abuse it. Don't confuse kids. You know, um, I think, uh, I think that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Well put. So who else is, who right now is putting in work? I mean, who now do you like seeing in the yards? Who do you see a lot of? Um, you know, there's a there's a fair amount of guys that I, I see um, that come and go uh, on the lines, but I guess probably the one guy that I'm seeing a fair amount of that I'm kind of digging his new stuff, and I, I see a real well-rounded evolution in it is that kid, um, kid Ryo. R-Y-O-E. Um, mm -hmm. I'm digging his new stuff a lot. His new stuff's real sharp. Uh, I'm feeling it. And, um, God, I'm trying to think of who else I see that I kind of stands out to me that's newer, um, that I feel like is really kind of doing it or making a push, you know? Or even older, I mean. Um, you know, that guy Curse, um, you know, <laughs> I've heard other people reference him in different things, but the guy's a beast. You can't you can't argue with how much stuff the guy's doing. I mean, it's a fucking insane amount of graffiti for one person to to really stay active out on freights and having the uh, routine. And, and me personally having some insight from the guy, uh, you know, it's fucking dedication, real real dedication, more than I was ever able to give, more than I'll ever be able to give. But um, it's admirable uh, that um, the freight scene kind of has you know someone else who's <coughs> Someone else who's pushing right now on an individual level, not just a crew, but just one guy really, uh, really going at it. Nice. I mean, um, you were asking about writers from before, or people who've been around for a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, there's you know, 
there's some writers like if I if I see something in the yards like some sometimes I'll catch something that will just make my day, and I'm just you know so excited to see it and it just really I'm just wondering who those writers are for you. Um, you know, to me, those those would be catching really vintage catches, just really really old good stuff. I mean, I remember, and for the sake of um. For the sake of me making reference to anything that younger kids might hear again, it, it's um you know I was making reference to having to do buff jobs and going over people, um, which isn't something I encourage or or practice on the regular. I mean we do clean up backgrounds and there's times you've had to go over things, but I wanna I wanna make reference to if anything young kids need to really learn their history and I'm not even remotely bullshitting you when I say that that book that I made reference to, the Freight Train Graffiti book, that's not the Bible. That's, that, that is an example. There are people that were left out of that book that need to be referenced. I mean, there's a lot of them. You and I could talk about that extensively, but do your homework. Get your history. I mean, I don't give a shit who you talk to. Go and juice some older dudes. Ask them for a history lesson. I mean, if you talk to your grandfather and he told you about what it was like, the Model T, and what it was like in World War One, two, whatever, however old you are, whatever it is, however your family shook out, you got those lessons. And if you paid attention to them and you learned your history, you should definitely do that. Get that. Understand it. Because there's a lot of guys out there from older writers, whoever, that, that played a huge role in what we're doing that people might not even give as much attention to. And respect it. Don't just think you can go over anybody just because you go bigger. I mean, there's writers out there who've gone over me. And I've found out about it and taken them back. I'm not going to name names, but they've gone over me, and I've had the fortune of being able to track them, have friends kind of say, hey, I think, I got an inkling. Don't go over those people, because even if they don't write it anymore, you should respect the rails. And if you show up and that car is taken, go home. I've showed up in yards and seen people, like, I'm not going to name names of any sort on who this is, because I respect them as a person, but I've been out with people before and came across... Um, I came across a piece by that dude, Adge, A-D-G-E. And uh, the fellows that I was with at the time said, oh, you know, I could go over this. And I, I fucking damn near shit a brick and said, don't that. You know, <laughs> stay away from that, just based on principle. And, um, and then, you know, there was an old, uh, went to a layup one night, and there was a VCY sitting in there, and I think it was an old like Rob one and it said fly ID CBS. And nice. it was, um, it was old and faded. I mean, it was an old, old faded BCY. Um, I think it might even been restamped like an SSW or an SP, but I showed up and it was real faded. And I don't think the person had good night vision or whatever it was. It was mentioned about potentially, well, I could, I could take this. I don't <laughs> shit. If you're the, I don't give a shit if you're the best writer on the planet and, you're the hottest shit, and you get the rookie of the year uh, review. If you go over some really, really, really certifiably old school, respectable thing like that, that's like it's like shitting shitting on a dinosaur skeleton. You just <laughs> don't fuck with it. You know, it's it's part of your history. It was there before you. Don't touch that. Take a picture of it. Go home. You know, learn something from it. Don't go over that shit. You should get your ass kicked if you do that. Nice. <laughs> so. I, I just don't think that people should uh, go over those things and um, just respect, respect. like I'm saying, you know, you're asking if there's anybody stands out. I like just catching 
goodies like that. And so my point is, if you see something like that and it's, it's someone you've seen before, or something that looks old, you know, respect it because it, it might mean something to a writer like me who's been around as compared to a kid like you who doesn't think that it, it's anything. You know, you don't like it. It's not up to par with your newest, you know, Montana style that you thought was the hot shit for that week. Just leave your paint in your bag, leave the panel alone, and move the fuck down the line. Take a photo and send it to us. Yeah, take a photo and send it to these guys. They respect it. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, so what's what's next for you? Um, what's next is, uh, you know, no matter where I go or what I do, um, I really want to be able to stay active in painting freight trains and being a part of a national scene. Um, I want to be able to continue to contribute. I want to be able to have more production cars, uh, come on the, the lines. I want to be able to, um, keep my crew tight knit, keep us being an active, uh, productive group of guys who just you know again keep our foothold and uh put something back into the to the national scene as far as freights go so if i can do that and i can paint a couple nights a week and stay busy in my career in my life and i keep well balanced and happy and rounded which is my goal is just to stay well balanced um i'm happy i don't need a thousand cars a year which i've never done and i don't plan on it um, and I just don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't need a ton to keep me happy. As long as I have a couple of yards to paint and, uh, no one fucks up my routine, then I'm happy. Nice. There's just not a lot of kids out nowadays who have common sense and treat it like it's anything besides just a quicker way for them to paint something, put it online. But that doesn't do shit for me. I mean, you're endangering the future of me. Like when kids say shit like, well, you need to fuck off and mind your family. And not pay attention to what we're doing. No, I am minding my family when I look out for what happens in a train yard. Because my friends and my crewmates, those guys are my family. And their family is my family. So when their kid goes, why the fuck is my dad in jail? And he can't, you know, take the family trip to Mexico with us because he can't (laughs) get a passport or something like that happens. I mean, these kids don't realize that their ignorance and what they take for granted on a simple, simple scale of going into a train yard and trying to do because it fits your bus schedule, that fucks up what happens for grown adults. So when you say, mind your business, my family, don't pay any attention to me. I am minding my business. When I keep an eye on you because you're fucking up my routine, and when your routine fucks up mine, and that gambles on what happens with my my family, that in itself, me, me chewing your ass is looking out for my friends and family because we're all trying to go home at the end of the night. And if we have to slap the shit out of some young-ass kid, rob him for his paint, and punch him in the face. That's not like, you know, you're not trying to do that. That's not what's remotely suiting for you as an individual, as an adult, as a writer, you know, we don't want to have to do that kind of shit. We just want to be able to do our thing, go home. So if you can't respect it, just stay the fuck out of my goddamn way. You know, from us, people can expect more production cars and end to ends. And, you know, in 09 here, it's, it's free snafu. He, uh, you know, he's going to be back out of, uh, you know, he tanked situation and he's even back on the rails doing what it is that we all do. So, um, everybody who's out there who is a fan of his or likes his stuff, um, free snafu coming to a, a box car near you in 2009. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> he's, uh, he's itching to get, uh, back on the rails. And, um, so I mean, you're going to see a lot of things from him. I can cool. almost guarantee it. So 
hopefully more production cars and real real sharp end to ends and fun stuff like that. So um, that's uh, that's the plan for two thousand nine. Cool. So uh, yeah, special thanks to ASIC and uh, thanks to all of you. And join us next week for the next episode of Wiretapping. See you then.